Hey folks, Alan and Magellan here, coming up really quick before the episode starts with a big announcement about the next season of Chats the Television podcast. Um, hi Magellan, first of all, hello. Hey, so we're uh, we're shifting to books on tape. Yeah, it's a strict audiobook podcast going forward. Just kidding. No, uh, so this is a book club podcast, TV book club format show where we watch TV two episodes a week generally. Uh, with mm-hmm. the listeners and we talk about them and we have a great and funny time I think uh, and we've had some comments recently about like the the choices of shows that we've done especially with 13 under 13 like oh we found shows that we do or don't like for a large swath of them and we want to kind of bring the choice of what to watch next to the listener uh, who has always been a, an important component of chats the television podcast um, so with that um, we're announcing that season 16 of chats is going to be based on and primarily comprised of uh, discussions of episodes that you pick uh, from a ranking system. Uh, so that being said, Majon, do you want to explain to the folks how we're doing this whole ranking and tournament bracket format? Yeah, so it's season 16 coming up, which means we thought it'd be fun to have a sweet 16 of shows in a tournament uh, that we have been interested in covering, that we've heard from you that you're interested in us talking about. And uh, you are involved in the entire show selection process. Um, and then the winner of what will be a tournament bracket will end up getting watched for the remainder of its run for the rest of season 16. So the way that it'll work is if you see in the show notes for this episode, there's a link to a Google form that has 32 TV shows in it. And you're going to vote on each one on a scale from one to three. A one is like, do not watch the show. You're voting two, against the show, basically. Yeah. A two is I'm neutral here or I want to see what other people think. A three is please watch this show. And then we'll take the top 16 shows from those 32. We'll use that to seed a bracket. And then what you'll hear dur- during season 16 is every week we will do a matchup where we'll watch one episode of each of the shows that are currently up against each other in that round, and we'll decide which show continues, which show is going to go to the next episode in the next round, and which show do we leave behind as one of the losers of season 16. So the hope being that by the end of the season, we've picked a show that everybody's really jazzed about, that has bested uh, some of the other programs that we were considering, and uh, we end up watching something that we all really like because uh, we don't want to watch another show that we don't like next. <laughs> so, Sorry to Powerless. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that form is in the description. In terms of how much time you have to put your votes in, we will be recording the first uh, episode where we have to watch stuff from in about two weeks from now, uh, from when you're first listening to this. So you have until that would give you basically until like June 17th, 18th to finalize votes. Mm-hmm. And then um, you'll hear the first episode of that season on the 25th of June. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and then worth noting, you know, if a show doesn't make it uh, into the top 16 that doesn't mean that we're never going to watch it that just means we're probably not right. going to watch it anytime soon and uh y'all are voting on where we seed the bracket and ultimately we have final say on what shows that's going to be what the episodes are about is you know watching two pilots putting them head head to head and saying hey which one of these do we want to go forward with um of course that also means that as the episodes release 
and you guys can and give us feedback and say, hey, I really want to nudge you guys towards this one or the other one. If you have yeah. valid good reasons for like, hey, the pilot's mm-hmm. not so good, but you seem to have okay thoughts about it. We'll take those into account as we continue to move through the games. So yeah, definitely. it'll be really fun. I think we have a lot of awesome shows. I think every single show in that bracket is at least a little interesting and has either come up in like chats, community discussions, or in just like Magellan and I's shows that we want to cover someday. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're no matter what we end up sticking with, you're going to have something fun for next season. Yeah. That being said, get to that Google form, vote as soon as you can talk to each other, commune, Make the magic happen, and uh, that's all we got. We'll um, cut back to the music now and talk about Powerless. Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 13, part 6, Chatserless. This is the sixth series in our season on shows misfortunate enough to be canceled before airing their 13th episode, which we have dubbed 13 Under 13. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the last remaining conscious Macklemore fan in the year of our Lord 2017. It's Magellan. Hey, you can't, you can't hold me. Because... Like, um, on the ceiling because i huh the ceiling can't hold us okay sorry go ahead yeah yeah yeah, that's what i was referencing and then i was going to talk about how when i was a kid i wanted to make sure my room was clean (laughs) and i was in the third grade thought that i was gay (laughs) Ah, that song makes the soul fly out of my body i mean look i'm not gonna pretend like i'm better than my 2017 self who unironically enjoyed the heist or parts of it yeah but, same uh, no not 2017 you know, well that's when it you're saying i was late to it or what do you say no no in in pa- the joke is that in powerless they referenced it in, in 2017 which is when the show came out even yeah. though the heist came out in like uh 2016 2015 2015 oh okay 2012 buddy well i Definitely had myself convinced for like several minutes there that we graduated college or that we entered college in 2016 instead of graduating oh! in 2016. So you just took about five years off my life by shade reality. Yeah. Anyway, I also <laughs> I think, you know, I was listening to Pod Save America in 2017. So I don't know how <laughs> far out of the Macklemore sphere I really was. <laughs> To be we real. were just talking. We were just talking about the Slate Political Gab Fest in the Discord recently, and I was oh, like, "We were, we had an era. Yeah. I had, had a political era there for a moment." Yeah. Uh, anyways, hi, welcome. Yeah, to the now, chats. Now, now I'm woke and I support uh, "Know Your Enemy," but don't listen to it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to a podcast actually recently. Maybe I'll chat some. Maybe I'll. It'll come oh. up organically. Um, what it's one I've chat some before. What is? Well, what is it? Gender gender reveals Patreon podcast gender conceal. Mm. It's quite good. Oh, interesting. Now now I can't chat some it because you took it. You swine. You could chat. You could chat some it. You could chat some it. <laughs> You're like I can tell, tell you my chat some right now. No 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 no. We haven't. No 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 no. Let's let them cook. Right. Let them cook. I want you to keep All your right. chat some. I want to also talk about powerless with you. Let's do it. Excellent. This week we're discussing. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we got we're a few. Just, we're discussing technically we're discussing four episodes of Powerless. Um we're going to briefly talk about the Powerless unaired pilot which was um sent to us we found out it's on YouTube uh via a friend of the pod. So, we're talking about the unaired pilot. We're talking episode 4 Emily Dates a Henchman and after the break we'll talk about episode 5 Cold Season and episode 6 I'm a friend you. So, let's get into it. Yeah, this unaired pilot is just on YouTube because rights i guess uh they didn't have to worry about yeah. putting on air pilot i love when i find on air pilots on youtube it's so fun yeah uh, because we don't always get to see how a pitch becomes a tv show and mm-hmm. unaired pilots even more than a regular pilot are like a pitch for a pitch basically here's our cast here's the look of our show here's the pacing buy this and let us make it yeah uh, i i found it on like a vanessa hudgens it's the channel is called like vanessa hudgens brazil or something and nice. for a second, I thought for some reason that it was like the official verified Vanessa Hudgens channel. Like she went out of her way to post the powerless unaired pilot. And maybe she has some kind of beef with how they change the show or something. But that that, uh, you know, does not exist. I was concocting some drama in my head. But but yeah, shout out to watched... Vanessa Hudgens Brazil, who have their own graphic, like a unique graphic for their channel, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, we watched the unaired pilot, which has some visual similarities to the show that we end up seeing, but by and large changes the premise. The characters are almost entirely different. Um, what were some of the big differences that stuck out to you here? Well, first things first, we were confused about the show being about an insurance agency or a R&D department. And Part of the reason for that is the unaired pilot is about an insurance agency, 100%. And I really liked that. I actually thought that even though it seems boring, uh, it led to some cool like concepts for, oh, like dealing with uh, rejections and also like increasing premiums on people in like a dangerous area, stuff like that. That I'm like, oh, they actually had a decent amount of runway with the insurance idea. Uh, I understand why they changed it, though, because like not all of those ideas are interesting to the average viewer, but I liked them. Uh, definitely felt weird about the cast changes. I thought that the dynamic changes so much when you, uh, remove, uh, Ron and the girl whose name I never seem to remember. Uh, but also, and also that means that like, there's a romance now, but also Jackie's a very different character. And also Van is in an entirely different character. It's really weird. It feels like watching, uh, like a different cast perform the same play. Or the same cast performing in mm-hmm. a different play. And you're like, wait. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like if I saw yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you're Hamilton. What are you doing? You're supposed to be Hamilton, yeah. What about you? I like this premise a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. This this is what I understood the show to be uh, before we watched it. So I think there's also just still some like artifacts of this original premise out there wherever the show is like summarized and described. But, you know, I think the for me, the principal difference between it being an insurance agency versus an R&D department at, at Wayne uh, Industries or whatever it's called mm-hmm. is the insurance department thing or the insurance company thing just like connects the cast to the world outside way more than the R&D department thing does. Yeah. Because... But then the R&D thing, maybe they went that direction because you can like invent stuff every episode or there's like, uh, you know, there's a laboratory. It's like more active. 
the things that the characters are doing. It's more visual what's going on in the office. Um, And I could see that argument because like insurance is not super interesting to watch necessarily. Um, But there's a lot of accidents that you can come up with in a superhero world. And I felt a lot more connected to the, the setting in this version of it than in the version of it that we got, uh, I felt like. Um, and then, yeah, the, I think some of the character changes are actually for the better in the show that we got. I think Christina Kirk's character is improved in, in the real show. I think Alan Tudyk's character is improved. I think, Vanessa Hudgens character it's like a lateral move to a different thing but she does mm-hmm. both of these things pretty well um Danny Pudi they didn't give him a lot to do in either direction and I'm not sure which one I'm not as much of a fan of um and then of course you know R.I.P. to Kate Micucci they didn't let her cook and that's that's their problem <laughs> not I'm not R.I.P. to Kate Micucci R.I.P. to her character in this yeah. to her character to her character yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like I think she's good <laughs> but yeah. um yeah like the just to speak to um Emily for a sec I think the change of she is jaded about this career path and wants to fix it because and that's an arc for her. As opposed mm-hmm. to like she she's down trying to get back up as opposed to up, which is what we get her in the real show. And by up I mean like positive, I mean like uh optimistic. Mm-hmm. And she coming down to earth, which is what the main show is about. But in this version, because she's becoming optimistic and hopeful, that final shot of like in the unaired pilot of like, you know, there's little heroes everywhere. I was like, Oh, that's that's what the show can be. Is yeah. about like the regular insurance people who decided to be nice and not just try to like get claims paid out or whatever are mm-hmm. are superheroes and she's framed in a, a classical superhero movie shot like a hero shot and i'm like wow that is just a great concept that they could still do in the main show but they haven't uh that i yeah. really hope can somehow cuz like a lot of this when i say like i wish they did this they totally still can you know, mm-hmm. they they kind of shuffle mm-hmm. the play. You realize how much of a sitcom, and really any show, but especially a sitcom, is like a bunch of ideas on a uh, like um on on index cards that are being shuffled around. Yeah, like right. The right. Olympian plotline gets to is is Green Lantern in this, and it's in the first episode instead of like the second or third, whatever, where uh-huh. they think this guy is a superhero, and Christina Kirk's character is kind of like turned into the other girl. And the twins, played by uh, mm-hmm. Kate McCoochie and Josh Stratum, are basically Ron and 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 Teddy in the main show. It's right. weird, by the way, seeing twins. I'm like, they would have done some sort of Wonder Twins thing. You know it. Some yeah, sort of... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Either they're actually choice. secretly the Wonder Twins, or they dresses them for a Halloween episode. You got to imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can. I think this ensemble has about as much potential as the ensemble that we have because like you said at the end of the day you just have like a set of pieces and you have only so much space for a certain amount of pieces and then the way a sitcom works is you take the pieces you have and you move them around and put them in different situations and that's the name of the game um but i totally agree with you that what's nice about how they do emily here is that there's an arc for her to go on she was hopeful about her job 
this terrible thing happened. Her boss, who you pointed out, they just repurposed those shots in that <laughs> scene and made it her dad, which is hilarious. A lot of the um, shots in this pi- in this unaired pilot are literally recontextualized with different voiceover and called different things. Like the scenes of it's uh, a jack-o'-lantern on the computer is no, it's it's still him hacking, but it's a different context. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Love that's that. It's fun to see that that sort of thing happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, her mentor figure at this company passes away, and now she's a little bit jaded, but she's trying to refine what she loves about this work. Um, that is definitely more compelling to me, and also like puts Emily in a position where she's just more savvy about the world because instead of her entering into a new context where she's learning the ropes and being told that she doesn't know stuff, um, and it's like not clear to us clear to us what her area of expertise is. Uh, Instead, she has been in this work for a while and is good at it and knows what it is and is just like having misgivings or doubts about how to go about doing it. And I I like that better in a protagonist as opposed to somebody who kind of like we see show up on their first day and they know about as much as we do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I... That said, I, you know, it it ends up being the opposite situation for Alan Tudyk's character, where I think it's a lot less fun for him to be, like, new boss on the job who's trying to get everybody to like him, as opposed to what we see of him in the real show, where he's, like, been around for a while and he's been allowed by the system to be this sort of, like, lazy Nepo baby guy who is a bit pathetic and... uh you know, that's just a more fun character than like, I'm trying to show you all that I'm tough and that kind of thing. So you're kind of trading one for the other, I think. Yeah, his his character, it's it's a small but important side grade that like him being this in this unaired pilot, he's like the son of the CEO and, and gives off much more Nepo baby as opposed to what what uh, and he's also named Del Heller, which is a really weird <laughs> character name, I think. Uh, but in the show, it's like. He's got this relationship to Batman, which brings us back to the DC universe, and he's still sort of a Nepo baby, but like you said, he's worked there. He knows where it's going on. Uh, my last like big point about this unaired pilot is just what you're talking about with Emily. I personally prefer protagonist arcs to be you start cynical and you warm up to people, as opposed to what I kind of feel like Emily's arc has been in the show, which is you trust easily and you're very anal, and you are, like, coming down to earth and realizing that you need to be, like, a regular person. Does that make sense? Definitely. And I think the latter is, like, a little... Like, it's only ever female characters who shows do that to, you know? I I think that's true, yeah. Which is kind of what feels weird to me about it. But I don't know. I've seen shows do that well. Like, I think that's what Parks and Rec does with Leslie Nope, and I like it there. Right, well, because hers isn't about... Hers is... Sorry to interrupt you. It's not about, like, uh, you need to come down to Earth, Leslie. It's the rest of the world needs to understand that they can do things, too. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a mix of her coming down to Earth and people rising to where she is, and the show isn't really doing that mix. I, the reason I'm hesitating, though, is I think uh, one of the episodes we're talking about tonight is kind of like Jackie coming to meet Emily halfway and be like, oh, there is a lot of value in having a friend who's like this. But uh, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that Emily's right and everyone else is catching up to her. True. True. It's a fair point. Um, favorite parts of the Unair pilot that you wanted to bring up? I thought the beginning was just cleaner, um, where we do the superhero stuff, and then it's this reveal punchline thing of she's in the subway car trying to ask uh, the superhero to like put them down, and then everybody claps for her. Uh, and on the news report, it's like, this woman like stood up to the superheroes and the reporter's like, so does that mean she's a real hero? And the person's like, no, no. no. I mean, there's, there is a superhero here, but still pretty cool. Yeah. So I thought that was a fun and more dynamic way to introduce the show. Cause the one that we have is like very narration heavy. Um, whereas this, it, it kind of like gets you into the theme before yeah. it narrates anything. Right. Um, I also thought the the like visuals of the theme song made way more sense in this concept than in the one that we have. Because of the role of the characters, you mean? Yeah, because it feels it feels like uh it, it feels like in the current version of Powerless, mm -hmm. it is just an office sitcom that happens to be situated in a superhero world. And right. they're isn't really you could kind of like drop it into any setting and pretty much keep the same plots uh but mm -hmm. maybe like switch some of the details whereas it feels like this show is kind of making a point about like the superhero world and the collateral damage is like core to what these characters think and feel and it's core to how we interact with the world around us and that's what the visuals of the introduction are all about is here are these people who are in the background of these like big fights and how are they responding and reacting to them? Yeah. So, I remember when yeah. I first uh, read about damage control, which is a fictional construction company in the Marvel comics that kind of functions like this where they just exist and they're like, Ooh, that's going to be really expensive. Spider-Man like knocked down a building or uh, whatever X character like bro like Thor went through uh, a bridge, you know, we have to fix the bridge and redirect traffic. Uh, like, I do find that idea of interacting with the superior world from a ground level endlessly fascinating and cool. Uh, I sort of understand why a TV exec would be like, nobody cares about insurance agency. Make them, I want them to build something. I want them to like make a, a product. Uh, but then again, that just turns it into Better Off Ted, which is. <sighs> very clear in the main show <laughs> that they either had some sort of inspiration from that mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. i don't know crew crossover uh -huh. uh i saw a lot of potential in christina kirk's character being a co-worker with everyone else and then becoming the secretary uh i like to headcanon that that's just how this happened is it's not that she got promoted but that she just like in the show it's like she's always been the secretary which informs some of her arc but in this, it was like, oh, no, she worked with us. We, like, knew Jackie for a while before he she gets promoted, if I'm not mistaken. I like the gag of um, the he wants her waiting with the coffee by the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> I was here for so long. You took so long. <laughs> and the coffee was cold. <laughs> yeah. That was really funny. I forgot about that. I laughed at that. Uh, the twins, Kate McCucci and Josh Fadum, Chats alum. Mm -hmm, who played mm -hmm. Phil, Dougie's coffee-holding employee. Dougie coffee from guy, Cooks. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's always fun to see him. I, it's funny how much Kate Micucci and him, you could believe that they are siblings. Uh -huh. <laughs> they both have like a, a small white person with like nerdy vibes. 
look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither here nor there, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just was going to say I didn't really like Tudyk's arc in this about his dad. They established his daddy issues yeah. so quickly, and it's like, look how much of a dumb idiot he is. And he's so mean when when Emily is like, hey, can we not like uh, reject claims just to get money? And he's like, no, profit is king and whatever. And it's like... Yeah, it's like a little too on the nose. Yeah, Totally, totally. Yeah. The scene where he introduces himself to the office, uh, there's this subtle little thing that I really liked where... Um, Emily's like, no, we're not. And he says, you are. And she says, no, we're not. And he says, you are. And then he clarifies that he's trying to say, you are? Asking who she is. <laughs> <laughs> you are? That was clever. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he performed that really well, too. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also during that scene, Amanda was on the other side of the room. And she's girlfriend like, Girlfriend of the what podcast, Amanda, sh- by the way. Yeah, girlfriend of the podcast. She's like, what is this show? <laughs> It it sounds terrible. The the acting sounds really stale. And I gotta be honest, the Alan Tujic slander has to stop. Yeah, seriously, it, guys, come on. It it must be done. Um, well, yeah, she was not a fan of the five minutes of the powerless unheard pilot that she heard from across the room. Boo! Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> um, it's fair. I don't think he's great in that. I think he just is like figuring out the character and doesn't get it. Uh. My last yeah. big note, so Kate Mikuchi, like I said, replaces the girl who's in the main show, uh, or or is replaced by her, rather. <laughs> and, yeah, kind of, and Ron Funches, kind of. It's like a... Well, I need to talk about Ron. We've got to talk about Ron this week and what's his purpose on this show, because I feel I have a theory, and yeah. it's not good. The moment where she tests, like, in this happens in the show, right, where she, she tests if the guy has powers by hitting him with a chair, and it's like, uh-huh. oh, ow, oh my god. But what's funny... Is he's they think he's Green Lantern in this, and she hits him with a yellow wooden chair because uh-huh. the first Green Lantern had a weakness to wood, and another Green Lantern and all Green Lanterns have a weakness to the color yellow. And huh. I was like, that is such a weird, <laughs> like deep cut thing to put in your unaired pilot. Uh, but shows that they like, yeah, somebody cared about the DC universe minutia. Yeah, uh, I just thought that was great. Right, I like that moment too. That's all I got. Um, yeah, my last thing is. I'm glad that they didn't do this like romance plot that they're doing here yeah. with Danny Pudi and Vanessa Hudgens. Uh-huh. It just doesn't read or make sense. So. Especially because there's so few people and there's like fewer people in this cast. So it's just yeah. like this is a show where her and her coworker like each other. And there's nobody for them to like ping off of because Jackie now works for the boss and they don't want to hang out with the boss. And right. I guess the t- the twins are like kind of doing their own thing, so it's like, yeah, who... right. I it's not like the weird. office where there are like twelve characters or whatever who you can mm-hmm. bounce around. There's only like six of them. That's a good exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, but cool experiment. I'm glad. Shoutouts to Vanessa Hudgens Brazil for posting the unaired pilot on YouTube. <laughs> uh, you can watch it too if you're curious. But did you want to move on? Yeah, let's talk about the actual real show that exists in yes. life. Uh, episode four, Emily Dates a Henchman. This one was written by Neil Shaw, who's directed by Matt Sohn, and it aired February 23rd, 2017. Magellan, what happened in Emily Dates a Henchman, besides the title? In this episode, after being urged by her team, Emily sets her sights on the dating world, but unknowingly falls for one of the Riddler's henchmen. Meanwhile, Teddy and Ron find a Batman artifact and discover Van's superhero fantasy. 
I like. Alan, what do you think of Emily yeah. Dates a Henchman? I texted you this, and I think it was at the end of this one or beginning of the second one. Powerless is a genuinely funny show when the plot gets out of the way of the characters just being funny. Like, all of these actors have some comedic talent, and when they just... Like, I thought that, the, for example, the Van, uh, Van, Ron, and Teddy plot with the Batarang, like, read so stupid on paper, but it gave them so much room to just, like, do gags that I was like, this is actually the funniest thing in this. And that's because they're not putting plot in front of comedy. Uh... Otherwise, I think, like, Emily Dating a Henchman was, like, a pretty inspired concept that it actually does use the universe that this is in well and briefly deals with the idea of what being a henchman means. Like, that's a day job. You know, that's a mercenary temp job for people, and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're a bad person. Some people, like, don't care, you know? Uh, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think this episode to me is probably the best example we've seen to this point of an episode that like fully uses the premise of the show to its greatest effect to create like a pretty good episode. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked the Teddy Ron Van Battering subplot. I expected that to be nothing and it was entertaining. And then yeah, the I expected the henchman thing to be kind of kind of fun and silly and and it was. So I think this was, you know, if all of the episodes of the show were this incorporated into the world and this good, good, okay, you know, I think I would feel like this is a show that I could recommend to people. Um, right. Yeah. So I I liked it. This is an example of an episode that you go, yeah, this is like what Powerless does is like superhero world, but normal people dealing with dating a henchman. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I had a couple laughs in this one. This was not my highest quantity of laughs in an episode, but it had a couple. Um, mm-hmm. I Like I mentioned before, I loved the scene where Van and company met, quote unquote, met Batman and are overjoyed because they come to his office, which is an alleyway. And they think that they see him, but it's just a Joker goon with like Batman shaped hair. Uh, and right when they look away, he they get their wallet stolen and then Batman like strings the guy up. And just like how in Birds of Prey, we never see Batman, but he exists. Uh, I love that they're all like, we met Batman. We met Batman. Oh, my God. Even though they did not. They did not. He was just present for two seconds and then left. That was all really good. And it's sold by Tunic in this, like, stupid costume. Because he's like, I'm going to be Robin. (laughs) They got to put Alan Tunic in a funny Robin costume and make the joke of, like, what do you think a 40 year old with like <laughs> his back hurts every time he sneezes is going to be <laughs> like the boy wonder, which is like I having just watched that Patrick H. Holmes video about Robin. This is why they don't let Robin get that old is because it starts to feel weird <laughs> and it gets <laughs> right, old. Right. Yeah, that was like my favorite stuff. What were some some lines that you really liked? <laughs> I really loved this one exchange where Ron is wearing his Batman shirt yes! in the alleyway. Hardest laugh of the episode. <laughs> and um, what what's um, what's Danny Pudi's character's name again? Teddy. Teddy. Teddy's like, oh, that's kind of weird. You wore the guy's shirt to meet him, and Ron says, I wore my Bateman shirt when I met Jason Bateman. <laughs> Teddy's like, well, how do you react to that? And Ron says he was befuddled, but that's sort of his shtick. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I met my Bateman shirt when I met Jason Bateman is god-tier writing. It it, it shouldn't be funny. Very good gag. 
I think okay. So good. My positive and negatives about Ron. My positives yeah. are that Ron Funchin Ron Funches has the ability to be like just dry in a very likable and weird way that you're like you're fascinated by like everything that comes out of his mouth. I'm like, what are you saying? But having now seen the unaired pilot, it really feels, especially in like how often they have started to reference his race in different moments. Like he is not only in the show a diversity hire, but is in the meta sense like we needed a person, another person of color on the show. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it just because he references his race so often. That's why I say that. Not that like they can't have another black person on the show, but like he specifically is the guy who references it often. Well, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty stark to me when I finished the honored pilot, which he wasn't in. And I was like, ah, Ron, I miss that guy. And then I start this one. And in the first scene, he's talking about how Batman fights a guy who's dressed like a pimp. He's basically like a rapper that saves lives. And it's like, Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) hold on (laughs) what are we doing here and you know i think that there's it's cool when a show can do that well and like have characters of color who can say things that only those characters can say Mm -hmm. but it feels like they go for that in this show way more often than they land it and I don't, it just feels weird. And there's even, there's that moment in this episode too, where, where Emily talks about how she got the approval of the guy's racist grandfather or something. And he's like, ah, oh, the racist grandfather's my white whale or whatever. It's like, yeah, this is just not a thing that people would say. So it, it, it's strange, but you know, that's not Ron Funches. Ron Funches, like you said, what he's bringing to the show is that he can make any line some base level of fun. Yes. <laughs> like just the way that he delivers everything is like, wow, that was adorable and funny. Yeah. And I'm smiling right now. So and I've you, heard Ron. I've heard interviews with him and he is like that. He just is he just acts like that. Yeah. And it's such a unique skill because it's not mean. Like for it's just like being a average sounding friendly dude who's like a little bit more earnest about the world than everyone around him. He's like a great character detail. And that's just the yeah. funny thing about Ron Funches. Like he like you said, <clears throat> he's good. The way that they're writing his character occasionally feels like I don't know if lazy is the word or or just odd. Uh, but I'm starting to notice it more and more. But that Bateman line is the best he's had so far. Yeah, definitely. Did we notice that Jackie specifically mentions like, oh, my ex was a henchman and also I'm not with my ex anymore, but I have a child. She's a single mother. Uh, Well, I don't think I knew that before, but also there's a terrible line where she says, all I got from my ex was a kid with a serious ADD problem, which is awful line. Like what what the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) That sucks. Um, but yeah, I did not realize from the first three episodes that she's a mom, but she is. So there you uh-huh. go. Character. I appreciate that. I don't appreciate that line. That's that a big like the big people bad. who wrote this either don't like neurodivergent people or have do not know any of them. Um, yeah. Likely the latter. Also, the last thing, last like cool plot detail. I think Jackie gets some cool narrative stuff here in the, this week. Um, 
Jackie's like, Emily, you're 25. Like, you're holding yourself to this high standard. You're mad that this guy's a henchman. Oh, I'm, I'm a bad person for dating a henchman. And it's like, no shit. People mm-hmm. work contract jobs all the time. Like she said, like I said, like uh, Jackie's husband was one. And she Emily comes up with this whole plot to, like, catch him. And then they get tied up. And then Van comes home. And he's in the Robin costume. And the guys run away. And her moment where she tries to uh, call out the henchman is like, Work, are you working in the ICU? Because I see you and you're a liar, which is so like intentionally cringe that it worked. I was like, oh, <laughs> like you awkward girl. You don't know how to drop a line. It's like, you know, Emily is a corny person who would say something like that. And it's given the right level of like, oof, what? That was such a bad line. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. it made me, f- I physically reacted to how bad it was. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Uh, My favorite line from that scene. Is when she's like, you're a henchman. He's like, yeah, so what? I am a henchman. My real name's Reggie. And I know what you're thinking. Not a <laughs> lot of white guys named Reggie. <laughs> and she's like, I wasn't thinking no. that. But now that you mention it, I guess that's true. That's, I thought that was pretty funny. I'm almost sure that us and the writers of this show, if asked to name a Reggie, would all name the same Reggie. Three, two, one, Reggie Watts. Reggie Watts. Okay, good talk. Yeah. In that scene, by the way, or at the end, Emily's confirmed 25 years old because Jackie is like, you can't hold people up to impossible standards. You're only 25. What the fuck do you know about standards? Mm -hmm. Like, you haven't lived Mm -hmm. enough life, which is real. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, Emily dates a henchman. It's a pretty, pretty okay episode. I had an an all right time with it. Other, other funny moment uh, from the henchman is they were like, yeah, the boss wanted us to do something with you, but he said it in the form of a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't quite figure out the riddle. Uh, what runs but never walks or whatever. Yeah. And she saws it for them and she's like, it's a river, idiots. And they're like, yeah, he wanted you to, us to throw you in a river. And she's like, damn it. <laughs> I solved your stupid bosses. Imagine working for the Riddler. You just have to answer that these stupid awesome. puzzles. Oh. Oh. I would love it. <laughs> The Riddler's my favorite Batman villain. He's definitely up there. I appreciate a silly... Uh, I don't want to say queer-coded, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> queer, like a, <laughs> that's sort of a silly man. Uh-huh. Uh, were, we, were we using Facebook in 2017? There's a whole... Part of the whole thing of this episode is it's Facebook. Well, like, was, I, saw, I saw... I see on Facebook he's marrying this hot girl or whatever. Oh, 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 and she's, yeah, looking at her ex or whatever. I mean, that yeah. That feels the... old for 2017, or, but I guess we weren't on something else at the time. Right. What else would we have been on? Twitter? But you don't find that kind of, like, Instagram. Nowadays, this would entirely happen on Instagram. Right. When was Instagram started? 2010, so. Yeah, but, maybe but it, it wasn't, wasn't big until, like, 2016. Used. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. How do you feel, uh, and then we can transition to the next episode. If you're down. Yeah. How do you feel about the way that this show does pop culture references? Because they do it a lot. And I don't know how I feel about it. Well, not to be that nerd, but every time they do one of these, it confirms that that pop culture exists in the DC universe. Right. And I don't like that feeling. But also, every time they do one, I just, I literally am pausing the episode and going, okay, was that, what is it? What would they reference? Lena Dunham? Sure. Okay. Like, <laughs> it just dates yeah, they, the show so much. I just, 
I saw a um. Sorry, finish your point, and then I'll tell you what I saw. No, good, good. I saw a clip from a like in some writer or something, uh, today that was saying that like, um, what are they called? Not trends. The thing that everybody does. That's like uh, oh, what's the word? It's such a simple word. Everybody does cliches. He was saying the thing about cliches is they are like the death of language because like the, all they are, you're not making anything new. You're just referencing something that exists and you're not progressing like culture forward by making a cliche, by doing or saying something that's been said multiple times before and that we all know. Uh, interesting point. Definitely fleshed out better in his speech than what I'm doing. But like mm. when they do this, it just instantly dates the show. And like yeah. This show takes place in the DC universe. It doesn't have to be dated. It can be time. It's allowed to be timeless. Right. Why date it? It's it really. I said this last week. It feels like it's network notes or something. Like you got to reference something current, but no, you don't. It makes the show look feel old. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I like that death of language thing because it really feels like. I mean, as much as I love the Jason Bateman line, uh, so obviously I'm like being a bit hypocritical here. Um, But, you know, when we are referencing when she meets the guy in the bar and he's got Gilmore Girls on his phone and he's like, I'm Team Jess or whatever. Or when Alan Tudyk's character is like, I was in my Maybach listening to Hey Ya, shaking it like a Polaroid picture. And it's like, I just, this feels like a, failure to think of something to say almost exactly. like we're going to kind of toss in a reference because that's the thing. And I don't know. I think it feels like the show's kind of learning the wrong lessons from a show like community um, that is obviously peppered with these sorts of things, but I feel like community has a bit more community also suffers from being way too over too referential but I think it also has a bit more to say about its references. And at the core, its characters are incredibly strong and interesting and respond to the situations they're in. Whereas this show just doesn't really have that. So yeah, it just bugs me. And then it's like, okay, does Arizona state exist in the DC universe now? Because oh, there's the guy, this guy at the bar, at the bar <laughs> or whatever. And why are we being so mean to Arizona state for no reason? That feels like yeah. for, um, Anyway, it's definitely one of those lines that I'm like, did the writer know someone and he wanted to make fun of them? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can't find the quote right now, but I'll keep digging for it or something. I'll at least send it to you. If not, put it in the show notes. But it's yeah. an interesting point. <clears throat> um, yeah, I wish they did fewer of them. To be honest, is, is my my yeah. feeling. Shall we move on, my friend? Yeah, let's toss it to a break and then do these other two. All right, we'll be right back after this brief musical break to discuss cold season and I'm a friend. Welcome back to Chatserless. The second half of our episode today will cover Powerless episodes five and six. First, episode five, Cold Season. It was written by Amy Mass and directed by Clark Mathis. It aired on March 9th, 2017. Alan, what happened in Cold Season? John, I'm glad you asked. In this episode, Emily convinces Teddy to enter a superhero invention contest. 
Van takes advantage of Ron's kindness and gets him to do a bunch of dumb favors so that he can have sex with a woman. And that feels weird on a network television show in 2017. Michelle, what did you think of cult season? <laughs> um, I think similarly to the last one, there were moments where I found myself pretty entertained by some of the gags and some of the performances. But I think what was different here is the plot just felt a little less connected to like the world. Um, it made a little less sense that it was happening. I liked this, this concept of it gets unseasonably cold in the summer because the, <laughs> the cold villains uh, come by or whatever. That was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. And I think they did some good gags with that. But um, I don't know. The Teddy plot fell a little flat for me, unfortunately. But uh, otherwise, I found myself enjoying pockets of it. What about you? I like the Teddy plot at least more than Van's whole Van and Ron's. Like, I'm taking advantage of a nice person and doing it so that I can have sex with a lady. Um, what I liked about the Teddy plot was the introduction of Zane and Anton, who are, I hope, the people that you and I would play if we were cast in Powerless. <laughs> uh, they were fun. They're Redditors. They're hardcore, explicitly by name... Reddit MRAs, like men's right activists. This is how they taught me how to talk to women. It's ridiculous. I'm so happy they actually wrote that in. Uh -huh. uh, and there are these like fun foils for Emily and Teddy. You can really tell like this Emily Teddy plot is written from maybe a time when they were a couple. And she's like, oh, I like you because you're like my favorite coworker. And I want to help you and make you happy because I make everyone happy. But like they work well together because they've had chemistry since that unaired pilot, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Wendy. Wendy is the woman who I keep forgetting the name of. Let's let me get that name in my head. Mm. Uh Wendy's the good one. Sorry, I was looking through my notes. Um, but yeah, like the Emily Teddy stuff. <sighs> inventions. This is now a show about inventions and not insurance, right? It's just yeah, which is what it is. He invents the gloves that can heat things up. Which at first we see this like little montage of like demonstration, like oh you can. He had a bag of popcorn, and then he's really mad because he's a perfectionist because he's the child of immigrants, uh, canonically. And he's like, oh, there's kernels that didn't pop. And Emily's like, oh, but they never pop all the kernels. You know they do that on purpose, right? It's, uh, hmm? I think that they do that on purpose. It's like a planned obsolescence thing. That's also why the bag lets you leak out a couple kernels so that... <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, a, it's a conspiracy, Magellan. You're not listening. You don't get it. It's the, turning the frogs gay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> a little, little bit of Alex Jones out of me there. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Let me stifle that. I want to <laughs> talk, talk about Teddy's astronaut space doctor brother, AJ. Yeah, this is, this is one of those things. Look, th this is the kind of thing where it's like you could... You could do this in any show. Like any yeah. office sitcom could say, oh, my brother, he's a space doctor. Actually, the correct term is a, a space doctor. Any show that's like a little bit goofy and not grounded in reality could do that thing. Um, why not make his brother a superhero or something? Yeah. Or, I don't know. Like there's other stuff. Whatever. I don't need to complain about it too much. But that's kind of what my issue was with this episode is it didn't it didn't feel like it had to exist in this world totally no. uh, which was kind of like ah that's a bummer i did enjoy when uh 
they gave Teddy's gloves to the Crimson Fox. That was and fun. Yeah. She uses it to fight cold enemies. I thought that was a cool use of the power. Yeah. I like that the Crimson Fox is like mean. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Cool. Well, the Crimson Fox dies yeah. and then doesn't die in the unaired pilot. We forgot to mention that, which uh-huh. is the, wor- the worst paced thing about that pilot, by the way. It's an unaired pilot. I don't blame the pacing for being bad because they just uh-huh. have to show ideas off. But like she dies and they're like, oh, my God. And then she just gets up literally, literally 30 seconds later. Like cut away. Mm-hmm. Oh no, she's dead. Just kidding, she's fine. And in this, she gets the gloves, but no, no, they don't like publish who made them. So it's this mm-hmm. like narrative moment, good narrative moment of Teddy being like, "Wow, I finally got the thing I wanted, and I don't get the recognition that I expected." Huh? Interesting. But I'm proud that I made it, and I'm proud that it's being put to good use. Uh, yeah. It's like the the button on that because these characters are doomed to always be side characters. So I thought that was that was a fun like ending on that plot line yeah but mostly just like it's cool to see the 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 rivals um zane and anton the wayne innovation contest is a cool idea otherwise uh, and then we have this like van plot line in the back there i did get a hard laugh out of the van plot line i got one real hard laugh okay what was what was your hard laugh he's dating a woman with child so he has Uh a kid's car brought to the office Except uh-huh. Dan is a rich man who doesn't understand how assembly required works. So he opens the box, and this is Alan Tudyk being a good actor. He says, ah, it's broken into a million pieces. Ah, but wait, there's a ransom note. And Jackie's like, that's instructions, sir. <laughs> Just, I th- it's all in his delivery. Huh. It's the, like, he's genuinely distraught. Like, they destroyed my kid's car. And yeah. then he's like, oh, fuck, I have to build it. Let me hire an employee to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of mm-hmm. course, Ron's such a sweetheart, such a little angel. He's taking all these Skype calls while uh, Ron, uh, while Van is, like, out skiing and hanging out with the lady, being like, can you build? And it, it escalates and escalates until he's literally building a model of Wonder Woman's invisible jet, which isn't invisible. <laughs> uh-huh. And so he's, like, trying to build it, and then uh, Emily Somebody runs through it. Over. Yeah. yeah. I, I liked the escalation of that, but I just found the um, I found the like the the meanness of Van here a little bit off putting, maybe. Yeah, it it felt. Th- this was kind of a funny episode to watch after watching the unaired pilot because there was a lot of characterization yeah. in this episode that felt more like it was from that show than this one. The whole Teddy Emily, are we yeah. doing a romance thing? And then yeah, Van being this very aloof and cruel rich guy was not quite who he was billed as in the first episode of this show. Cause in, in this show, in the real show. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Cause it felt like his character in the pilot um, that aired was more, eh, I don't really give a fuck. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, I guess. Mm, I just okay. want to work in the, uh, I want to work upstairs. Yeah. But it didn't feel like he was, you know, super wealthy and mean, but they've kind of pivoted him in that direction, which isn't very interesting to me. Agreed. Um, yeah, and then they they try to do some like uh, there were some bits on the Skype call that I thought were funny, in spite of myself. Like when he <laughs> says, "Well, I need you to build three more of those because apparently she has a squad and they have goals." To... <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm starting to like these kids." I, I, that worked for me, yeah, even right. though it shouldn't have. Um, no, if it makes you laugh, it makes you laugh, right? Someone wrote that yeah. with the intent to be a simple, funny gag. Yeah, that's true. 
I also liked at the beginning when they're naming all of the ice theme villains that are going to attack the city or they're betting <laughs> on it. Um, <laughs> Teddy says, Snow Patrol. Wait, that's a band, but they're coming to town. That was a good line. Mm-hmm. Um, Snow Patrol? I don't. Okay. Fair Do you? I, I, they have that one song. What is it? Is that the one that's like... Uh... I don't remember. I know one Snow Patrol song. If I can find it, I'll tell you what it is. Oh, Chasing Cars. Yeah. Mm. I only know Counting Stars. No, Chasing Cars song. It's like, if I lay here, if I just lay. That's Snow Patrol. Okay. Um. Anyways, it's a song that plays at like the mall a lot or CVS in my case. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. That makes sense. Other lines that I liked when they were testing out the gloves and Emily's like, now I can go to my grandma's 50th birthday. And Teddy says, I could do without the backstory. And she says, sorry, I'm taking an improv class. As someone who's taking an improv class, that's pretty good improv. Uh-huh. Uh, and then my favorite line from the like nerdy bad guys is when he, one of them is trying to put Emily down and then at the end, he's like, the best you could hope for is to marry one of us. <laughs> he like, tries to slip that in. Yep. Uh, I thought that was pretty fun. <laughs> I, I think there was also a If I Had a Million Dollars reference in really? this episode. Yeah, because there was something, there was like money for something. Uh-huh. Like maybe it was prize money for the contest or something. And... uh Teddy was like, I could buy a nice, like, Chesterfield or an Ottoman or oh, something. Oh, Something. I, I might have, it might have just been folding chair or an Ottoman and it sounded like a. Well, line, also, but your mind might have filled that in because we just did a Chats Nights where we, we just did about the it. Chats Nights, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you can check out on our Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspot. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Those are, those are my bits from this episode, though. Uh, I thought it was kind of sad that Van lies to Ron about making a treehouse so that he can have sex with Dylan's mom at yeah. the end. Of so. Be nice to Ron. Yeah. Uh, also, someone who references the hob. Oh, the fucking Hobbit thing. Stupid. Emily's like, oh, you know, I, I like. Yeah. Com- why does she compare him to the Hobbit movie? What's the comparison? That they're disappointing. Yeah, I guess so. That's what a Hobbit movie would say. I'm not a Hobbit movie. This that case in point, what I was talking about yeah. before of just like the the references, instantly dated. Them. Yeah, but um, let's move on. Yeah, we can talk about the last episode this week. Yeah, this is I'm a friend. You. Um, it was written by Sabrina Jalis. It was directed by Alex Reed and it aired March thirtieth, twenty seventeen. Magellan, take it home. What happened in I'm a friend? You. In this episode, when Emily learns that Jackie is in need of some extra cash, she can't help but try and do what she can to help her. What a sentence. She can't help but try and do what she can to help her out. Meanwhile, Van is on a witch hunt and has his eyes set on Teddy, Ron, and Wendy. Alan, what do you think of this one? I think this is the best episode we watched this week. Really? <laughs> well, okay, here's why. Both plots are good. Um, Emily and Jackie's plot seems a little silly, but is a great like bit of character development for both girls, both mm-hmm. women. 
and the van plot is genuinely laugh out loud funny for most of it and has a wonderful final button twist that uh made me laugh so this episode got the most laughs out of me and had a little bit of good character work so i was i was pleased what about you nice um yeah i thought this one was not bad i don't know if any of the episodes were really like substantially better in my eyes than one another um but i think what i really liked about this one is the core relationship that works the best which is emily and jackie it feels like when the two of them are together and have a plot together the most like that's the most heart you're gonna get from the show yes so i liked the two of them becoming closer friends and uh connecting here that felt good and then the, you know, who used my bathroom plot is like, fine. Again, it's a space for these side characters to cook. And exactly. Say some funny stuff and spin on some it, spinning it chairs. Entertain me. There was no, there was no episode that we watched this week that I was like, whew, that was bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At, at its worst, this show is like, Okay. I laughed a bit. That was fine. That was a good thing to have on in the background. Um, but, you know, this one kind of kept that same pattern and it mm-hmm. was good. Most definitely. I can already hear the comments. I know it's like, Alan, don't invent a dude. But the comments being like, I can't believe Alan's favorite episode this week is the one with Tony, the hot dog guy. Because, like, that's the worst joke the show has seen so far, in my opinion. That was a horrific runner. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. And it just a it- terrible, terrible gag. Just to defend myself, that's one runner in an otherwise good episode. These are full of jokes, so be nice. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. of all, oh my god, Tony the hot dog guy. So they clearly watched Scrubs, and they were like, oh, the Todd is funny because he's a sex pervert. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. You totally missed the point of the Todd. He's That's not why he's funny at all. In fact, that's yeah. like the worst part of early Scrubs is when the Todd is just a sex pervert. But they built on that. What if he was like cartoonishly horny? What if he was... Uh, a bisexually horny and and this is just like hey i have a sausage and it is my penis and i would like to do touch you with it you are god girl i'm tony the hot dog guy over <laughs> and over and over again oh not good no not good not good not good um couple things crimson fox leaves charm city to work in metropolis i love this like uh-huh. <laughs> charm city is like lic or whatever like people don't want to live here it's just like oh whatever business is open lic <laughs> i was like quick think of a city a borough in new york and i want john why, why is long island city catching strays right now because you, you moved out of long island city my guy that's why all right all right fair I, I love the phrasing of it being the same as, uh, you know, LeBron James, the choice. I'm going to be taking my talents to yeah uh, right to Gotham City or wherever it is. Speaking of um, the Metropolis, speaking of the NBA, they also make Metropolis. a dig like, oh, nobody watches that. Just like the WNBA. And I'm like, can you do you guys know that the WNBA does like very well these days? Like there's yeah. no, no need to keep making jokes about how the WNBA is stupid. It's like awesome. And this, this show punches down a yes, lot. And yes. I don't love that. They also said the B word a lot again this time. Yeah. Like that other one. Yeah. Um, which is a little weird. Racking up the counter. Yeah. Uh, Van makes a couple of good jokes. Back to the Van plot line about his toilet. Turner, she wrote. Little Law and Order IBS. Hey. Hey. Which is 
the highest quality of joke you'll find sometimes on powerless mm-hmm. um he's trying to punish the trio by making them work in a sad office but they discover that the chairs spin around and those are really fun i love that detail <laughs> that's what i would do obviously he tries to uh interrogate them all by like incriminating them the laziest interrogation plot ever like from van not from the writers like come on you can do better um he says something like it's going to be more packed than a Mumford and Sons concert. Stop doing this, you guys. It, it was, I think it was more packed than a Mumford and Sons concert in the whitest part of Portland. And okay. Ron says, you can just say Portland. <laughs> okay, that's the, that's funny. The joke is funny. The <laughs> reference is not. The joke is funny. Yeah, right. I mean, again, it, it'd be interesting to do like a deep quantitative analysis of like how many of the jokes are reference jokes in the show yeah but in in any other 2017 sitcom i don't think we would be voicing that critique quite as much we would kind of say like ah you know reference humor and then we would name the ones that we like and name the ones that we don't but we would kind of leave it at that but like you said in the first half it's just so glaring here because it's a different reality and so you're like <laughs> making a point of referencing things within our reality in order to make humor out of them. And uh, yeah, it, it's just suspends my disbelief. 100%. Yeah. Uh, a couple other, you got some jokes you want to chop? You know what? I forgot to take notes on this episode. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> I'm impressed that you remembered that the Ron line then. Yeah. Yeah. It stuck out to me. Hmm. I liked, oh, I am also remembering another one I liked, which is when Emily goes to Jackie's daughter's school to try to like (laughs) pay for her Six Flags trip or whatever. Uh And the teacher's like, ma'am, this is a public school. We we don't go to Six Flags. We go to graveyards and read sad poetry. (laughs) Did you feel feel called out? I guess you don't work at a public school, but. Yeah. I, I, uh, it was amusing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we go to South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah. Yeah, she makes some kids sad at the school. I like that. I laughed at that part. And I shouldn't laugh at that. But as Michael Jordan once famously said, fuck them kids. <laughs> 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 Editors, no, he didn't actually say this. Um, uh, I huh. thought it was really weird that Wendy interprets Van's interrogation as flirting. I didn't like the vibe of that. I thought it was like yeah. funny for one second, and then I, I I always think about this. Flip the genders on that, and it's weird. Her being like, "Oh, yeah, excuse me." I really, I was thinking about it. I really don't like the sitcom trope character of like side female character is super horny, and that's funny. I guess I don't like it anywhere. There is an implicit understanding, and I am tell me if I'm overreaching here, buddy part of the reason it's funny is because she's fat it's like yeah that she's the horny like one. what's going on there that's right. the same and a to z does the same thing with that guy yeah. with the friend's girlfriend they're just ben queen <laughs> ben well he's not here you know we can't blame oh ben. sorry no but i just sorry i'm sorry come come back ben. It's the ghost the ghost of ben queen the go- damn you ghost of ben um yeah i just thought that was weird and uh yeah I feel called out by the Jackie and Emily plot here at the end. Jackie is becoming like the Kelso of this show I wrote um, because she's taking her night classes to get her MBA so that she can leave her boring admin job. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. Being, that's not fair. Don't just write my life into the show, you guys. Uh, 
But also, I'm also Emily because uh, at the end, Jackie says, I want to be, I actually want to be friends with you and people will like wanting to be friends with you because we need friends who are accountable and give a shit about us. Like, mm-hmm. it's nice to have a friend who holds you to a standard. And I was like, am I the Emily to my friends sometimes? That's like really true and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> maybe my hardest laugh of the episode. Maybe, maybe my hardest laugh. Uh, Wendy, they're like, I can't use the- <laughs> I would never use your private bathroom. I have to use a public bathroom to give me a sense of comfort and security. <laughs> that destroyed <laughs> me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's good Wendy hmm. stuff. I think the actress who plays Wendy's good. They just write her weird lines a lot. Yeah. And last but not least, the whole, like, they do the Spartacus thing. And I wish they didn't just say the reference. Like, just do Spartacus and don't say, why are you referencing the movie Spartacus? I haven't seen it. Spoiler alert. Like, can you just let uh-huh. the reference stand and move on if you're going to do it? Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's even worse when they're doing the reference and then trying to do the meta joke on top mm-hmm. of the reference. Yeah, it's not I my favorite. I don't love that. And at first it seems like, oh, no one actually used the toilet. At the beginning of the episode, there was a bee in his bathroom and Jackie killed it. And he saw the bat magazine. That must be what happened. But if you stay through the credits, we learn that uh, the janitor from earlier, whose name is Peter, but Van keeps calling him Pedro because he's racist, had video footage of every single employee using the toilet. And he deleted it to spite his shitty boss. I think we stand mm. Peter. I think we do. That is a fun reveal that everybody uses the toilet. That, mm-hmm. That's what that's what it would be. <laughs> and for some people, it's like a routine. Like they bring a towel and they bring like a book or whatever. It's like, uh-huh. well, not only do we use our boss's toilet, but we're used to, we do it frequently. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, me too. Groovy. Well, I would love to tell you what we're not watching next week on Chats or Less, if you don't mind. Please do. We're doing another three pack. Not four, though, because we don't have any more unaired stuff. So it's... Um, episode seven, Van v. Emily, Dawn of Justice. When Emily has to put up a fight to get her own office, she challenges Van to a competition. Meanwhile, after Teddy's life is saved by Green Fury, he goes to great lengths to see her again. Green Fury. Is that a real, probably a real mm. thing? Okay. Uh, next up is episode eight, Green Furious. Oh, of continuity. Okay. There's plot. Okay. Emily takes a stand at her first board meeting and must deliver on a big idea with the help of superheroine Green Fury. Meanwhile, Teddy tries to find mm. a way to get Green Fury's attention. Whoa. And elsewhere, Jackie brings her daughter to work but starts to get worried when she bonds with Wendy. <gasps> Wendy plotline. Huh. Oh, Green Fury is a character and also she looks awesome in this. I just saw a picture of her. Oops. Uh, last but not least, episode nine, Emergency Punch-Up. The team gears up to leave for a company retreat when supervillain Dr. Psycho releases a toxic gas in Charm City. Emily does her best to make the most of a terrible situation. That's every episode of the show. Hmm. That second part there. Dr. Psycho, also a real DC villain. Wow. They're doing DC stuff next week. Great. Okay. Um, Before we get there, Majon, I'd love if you told me and the listener at home where people can find you on the podcast sphere. You can find me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes, which I do with my friend Justin, where we talk about games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise, Super Smash Echoes. That's the show. And then you can also read some of my writings over on my Substack at Substack. No, what is it? Not that Magellan.substack.com. 
that's the name of the Substack. Alan, what about you? What other stuff do you do on the internet? Um, I do a bunch of stuff, bud. I am on a bunch of scan my media podcasts here and there. I voice one of the main um, meta narrative characters in their Embers of War tabletop campaign. I uh, am the co-host of the Creature Quorum, which is a comedy discussion podcast about monsters from Monster Hunter and Pokemon. And uh, I am the co-host of the Garnet Wager, which is a reality TV show podcast with a twist. I can also be found as the co-host of or the main host, rather. I always forget there's no other person who does the talking. Uh, <laughs> as a host uh, of Talking Marketing. This is a bi-monthly podcast that I do with American Marketing Association of Boston. Uh, I interview marketing people. I'm taking a break from the pod right now, but episodes are queued up until the middle of the summer, so you won't see a break in it, but I have been taking a short sabbatical from my time on Talking Marketing, and it's been good. So check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. And Maggie, can you please give the kids the chat plug zone? You can get in touch with the show in a few different ways. You can email us at gmail.com, chatspot at gmail.com, of course, with your questions, comments, concerns. You can try to get in on one of our last... Well, actually, by the time you hear this, Pat will be done recording these. Sorry, oh. uh, you missed your shot. But if you want to be on the show, just tell us and we'll say yes. We'll fit you in. On. We'll fit you in. You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash chatspod. Uh, soon we'll be on Blue Sky, uh, you know, dropping. Go ahead. Knowledge. What are what are the things? I'm just kidding. We don't have a Skeets. Blue Sky. Skeets. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's stupider than I could have <laughs> ever imagined. <laughs> uh, skeet, skeet. So you can also <laughs> join a community of fellow listeners over at reddit.com slash r slash chatspod or on our Discord, which is a reward Ooh. for folks who back us on Patreon at a dollar a month or higher. If you also back us at $3, you'll get access to twice-monthly bonus content. You heard some of that bonus content a couple episodes ago on the main feed. We do that stuff all the time. We've been doing it for years and years. There's tons of bonus content, and uh, you can get it for the low, low price of $3 a month. And then, of course, $5 a month and up gets you thanked right here at the end of every main feed episode. Special thanks to, of course, Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, my mom, Marcus, May Louise, Michael, Nick, and Pat of the Brothers in Infinite War 6, and Stefan. Thank you, folks, for supporting the show. Other plugs here, please consider rating us wherever you listen to us. It'll help us out. We also have a YouTube, by the way, Chats, a television podcast on YouTube. We have a couple of our episodes posted there. We have a website, chatspod.com. Big thanks to at Camillustrator, who has created our podcast art, our friend Camilla. She's awesome. And uh, last but not least, we want to share with you a couple of our chatsums. Alan. What? I think everybody has forgotten your chatsum, and they're ready to hear it again. <laughs> I have I have additional ones. Um, oh, fun. So briefly to shut that one out again, Gender Reveal, which is my favorite podcast of last year, uh, is still going strong. They're on a season break, though, so I started backing their Patreon patreon.com slash gender uh it's a podcast hosted and about and by and featuring trans people from all walks of the earth uh it's really funny and relatable and sweet and thought-provoking um and their bonus podcast gender conceal is basically the chats nights of gender reveal they like hang out and it's way less structured but it's been great listening as i've just been like i need i've been listening to so much audio lately i need like sounds in my head or else the voices come back and uh Gender conceals a great thing to have in your head. I've already listened to their whole Patreon backlog, though. I devoured it in two days. 
It's so good. Um, but no, I really want to quickly shout out. So because I've been listening to so much audio, I have caught up on my Spotify album backlog for 2023. Completely caught up. Um, and the only three albums I left in there are ones that I plan on re-listening to throughout the summer. And they are the following. Uh, the Album by the Jonas Brothers, or Jonas Brothers, which is an album written and uh, produced by John Bellion for the Jonas Brothers and features such wonderful songs as Waffle House and Americana and Wings. Uh, I love John Bellion. He's like my favorite songwriter working today. And he brought his special panache to the Jonas Brothers, to Jonas Brothers' uh, talents. And it's a good album. It's very poppy and the it's like a summer jammy thing. Speaking of summer jams, I think Ketramine, the Ketranata Amine collabo is excellent. It came out last Friday as of this recording. Oh, you listened to it? Yeah. All right, I listened to it twice. It's excellent. Oh, it's that it's good. Okay. Is yeah, it it's as good some, it's as summer jams. Some of them are better than that one song than than forever. Oh. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Yeah, I really like it across the board. It's just like I'm gonna listen to this at the beach at some point. It's just such a jam. It's relaxing awesome. and fun and good. That's great. My third one is uh, a less popular pick. It's the latest Sharon Van Eden album. I um, got into her because of Twin Peaks: The Return, and I'm still listening to her work. Uh, I heard a song from this latest album, uh, which is called "We've Been Going About This All Wrong." Mm. Um, I heard the song "Mistakes" on Yellow Jackets, actually, and I was like, "Holy shit!" There's a Sharon Van Etten fan on the Yellow Jackets music team. So we've been going about this all wrong. Is the third in my summer repeat playlist albums. Hmm. But John, what do you got? Well, last time we talked about Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which I've been playing a bunch of, and it's so freaking good. I love it so much. Um, it's such a good game that it's shifted my YouTube algorithm slightly so that it's not entirely NBA content, um, but now also includes some Legend of Zelda video essays and, and reviews, retrospectives, lore, speculations, things like that. So I've been digesting a ton of that stuff. So I have three um, YouTube channels to recommend to you Ooh, based off uh... of that. Um, the first is called The Vile Eye. Um, it's a YouTube channel that dissects uh pop culture villains so uh, or evil characters um and the guy who makes vile eye recently put out a like remastered video essay combining the essays that he did about demise ganondorf and ganon um so i thought that one was really good i'd recommend it but there's content here that spans movies tv video games evil in all its forms so um I thought that was a pretty interesting concept for a YouTube video essay channel. So the Vile Eye is the first one. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're looking for more long-form retrospective reviews of games, Liam Triforce is a solid channel that has some longer retrospectives. I watched his Twilight Princess retrospective, um, or it's called The Powerful Responsibility of Twilight Princess, and I really like that. Ooh, um, I thought that was a... I thought that was a good treatment of a game that I love very much. And then late last night, I, I was uh, doing some work late into the night, and YouTube offered me a special gift, which is content from this channel called Moxie Watts. And Moxie Watts has several videos on the channel 
<laughs> that are part oh of my a series God. called Zelda Lore to Sleep To. That's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's just somebody like heavily speculating about Zelda lore for like an hour straight with this sort of like calming ethereal music and the vocal tone of like um like a thingy what's that thingy where people talk softly asmr it's like an asmr kind of vocal tone with like kind of spooky zelda music and they're just saying stuff that's like way out there. You're like, no way, that doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna uh, go to sleep. Honk so, shoot me, me, me. Honk <laughs> shoot me, me. So I'd recommend that. It's a perfect thing to watch at like one in the morning when you're like, why am I awake? So my intrusive a thought YouTube channels for you. My intrusive thought when I said ASMR was to say it the way that the guy says it. The countries in Street Fighter Two, USSR, <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny i will definitely be checking out liam triforce and moxie watts yeah and the third one that you said that's awesome the vile eye yeah. there it is i love that one actually like the appeal is like oh my god such a unique niche i love that yeah i thought that was such a great i like why have i not seen anyone do that before mm-hmm. it's so simple but adults. so much so much you can do with that so yeah most definitely yeah um that's all we got folks we hope you enjoyed this episode of chats we mentioned where you can support us and all that but as always i want to say thank you to magellan for being the unaired pilot teddy to my unaired pilot uh emily because we could have been together until we got canceled (laughs) (laughs) until we got reworked until we got reworked and now we're just really good friends and um thank you guys for listening to chats peace powering up (laughs) Bye. So cringy. Bye. Mm.